June, and welcome to Fringes, a no-frills kind of podcast where I talk to trans and gender non-conforming Jews about our experiences with Talitot and Tzitzit. Talitot are, put simply, Jewish prayer shawls, and Tzitzit are the knotted fringe on the bottom of them. For deeper definitions, check out the first episode. Today, the tables are turning a bit. This is an interview of me, done by my friend Liel Green will be featured in a later episode sharing their own thoughts and experiences. But for now, I hope this little slice of my personal thoughts and questions provides a little insight into who I am and why I've undertaken this project. Without further ado, the interview. Yeah. Hello! Hey! <laughs> ah, so fun to be here with you, EJ. Um, yeah, so I guess just to intro this, um, I have the immense, immense kavod honor of being here with the creative mind, energy, and heart behind this podcast, Emma June Yucha. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I was wondering if you could... Do you wanna do you wanna give a little intro for yourself? I don't know if you've had like the opportunity to really um, do that because you've you've usually been in the the other role. Um, yeah. Well, okay. My name is Emma June Ucha. I sometimes am referred to as Emma, sometimes as Emma June, sometimes as EJ. I like all of those names, and that's just a facet of my life. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I work at Adva Designs um, as well as at a bagel store in the Boston area where I live. Um, I am a part of a Jewish drag troupe called Turmoil. I live in a Jewish income sharing <laughs> co-op called The Right Bite. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to figure my life out, you know? And You're doing it. And uh, make the world a little bit better, more interesting. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so I guess I guess the first thing that to kind of go ground, ground what this podcast is about. Um, so I was wondering if you can talk about one, like, what, so we kind of, I'm sure people who are listening to this very niche podcast have some sort of idea of what it's about, but I was, I wanted to hear from, from your words, what this podcast is about, um, why you're doing it, how it got started, um, etc. Yeah, well, I guess, um, so I tie the tzitzit, the fringes on all of the talitot that get made through Adva Designs. 
And that just means I spend like a lot of time sitting and tying these fringes. And um, at a certain point in doing this, I started reflecting on like who's wearing these and what does it feel like to wear this object and how do people connect to it? And um, noticing in myself a lack of understanding of how I connected to them, even though I spend so much time with them. And even though I spend so much time um, in Jewish space and trying to understand my what my Jewish practice in life looks like, um, that this is a piece that I don't actually understand that well for myself. Um, especially I think because I'm genderqueer and because like I, the tallest that I have, I was lucky enough to get a very like well-made and very beautiful one for my bat mitzvah, but it's just not, an object I feel very connected to. I wear it on high holidays and at services, but I, I basically just had all these questions and um, really just wanted to talk to other trans people about how they engaged with this object. And the more I learned about how Talito work, the more I felt like there's opportunity for such creation here. Um, and I also feel like sometimes there's a trend to take, um, like things that are very binary, like the tallest has been presented in my mind as something that's like originally for men. And now there are also women's talitot. Um, and that when something is explicitly gendered, I know a lot of people and sometimes myself will just shy away from it and say like, that's not for me. I don't get to wear it. There's no way that I get to engage with whatever it, whatever that thing might be. And that I just really want to, I, I think I wrote in my email to at least somebody uh, asking them to be on the podcast. I just want to make kind of a gender full existence, not a genderless existence. Um, I want like more access to more things and opened doors because of gender expansiveness. Um, mm. and, and I felt myself like not feeling that way about Atalus and, and wanting to, to hear from people who have felt that way or if they haven't, why they haven't. And um, I did a lot of research going into it wherein I found very, very few people um, talking about or engaging with trans people and this particular ritual object. Um, and that to me also, it felt like um, a niche that I actually didn't see a lot of content or thought in currently. Mm. Um, and, and so that also is part of why I decided to make something about it instead of just believing that I was sitting alone in a corner being the only one wondering. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's it's such a gift what you're doing. Um, and thank you so much for sharing it. Um, I I really um, connected and I'm very intrigued by 
by what you just mentioned about um, genderful versus genderless. Um, and so the, I want to try to incorporate that into the next question that I was planning on asking you, which you touched on a little bit, but I'm wondering if you can kind of, um, I don't know if this is a challenge or not, you totally don't have to, but incorporate the lens of genderful versus genderless in talking about um, your own personal connections to and experiences with um like with Tali Tote, past and present. So mm-hmm. in, in thinking about what your current and um, past, and we can even dive into the future, um, connect the future um, connection, yeah, and experiences with, with wearing, wearing a talus, like what, where was, what felt genderful and what felt genderless and and um, in ways, because I'm, I'm also, uh, I'm, it's very striking the idea of genderful as something that um, can be so um, liberatory and freeing um, and also so deeply hurtful when something is full of a gender you don't want. Right. Um, and so, so oftentimes we kind of think like, oh, the way to get away from, from this, the hurtfulness of gender, or something being full of gender is by making it genderless. But, but that also kind of, um, it, it empties in some capacity is what I'm kind of hearing. Empties the the expansiveness that is possible. Um, yeah, so Zoe, if you can if you can talk about all that a little bit uh, pertaining to your own personal experiences. Yeah. Well, I guess so. I grew up in a reform synagogue in D.C. and um, I don't I. <laughs> I don't always know how to reflect on it. I think that many people did wear tali tote. Certainly not everybody. And I remember my B'nai Mitzvah class, like many people got one, although I don't think everybody. Like it, it wasn't something I was surrounded by. Neither of my parents wear one. Um, but when my bat mitzvah came around, it was very important, I think, also to my grandparents, particularly my grandmother, that I had one, which mm. is, like, a curious thing to look back on now to me. Um, and I know when my brother had his bar mitzvah, he got one also. Um, but we are maybe the only people in our families on either side with the tallest. And certainly the only people who wear them at any family events now. Um, and I, th- I think that I'm feeling somewhat inarticulate about it, but I don't know. Mine is like, it has this like rainbow woven into it. Nice. <laughs> and this was also at the period of time in my life where I was a straight ally. Mm-hmm. Um, some foreshadowing Um, some foreshadowing I couldn't have predicted there was no way to tell (laughs) that I was queer even to myself Um, Mm. and I think when I look at it now it just feels like what was I trying to do or say or like what was I picking and did you choose it I did out of like a very limited array Mm -hmm. Um, I think like something I've 
heard from a lot of people I've talked to is that they have pushed themselves to wear a talis or to wear a talit katan, the um, undershirt, mm-hmm. and and that it um, sometimes in Judaism we don't feel connected every time we do something, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And it's also about like the practice of continuing for mm-hmm. the moments where you do feel connected, and that I am um, really hard on myself that I don't feel very connected to um, the talus that I chose for myself. And I think, um, like, in terms of the genderful, genderless aspect, I think I also feel like, shouldn't I like this? It has a rainbow on it. And then I'm like, <laughs> Ugh, but I'm anti-corporate gay, mm-hmm. and then I, you know, kind of get, I just overthink everything, and I think that I move myself away from the experience of feeling, um, like, wrapped and held by a talus, or trying to know, what, like, I don't know if I believe in God or not, and I think that's another piece of of wearing a talus is that it is a reminder of God and God's existence, and um, that I'm trying to understand like what I'm trying to feel connected to as well, like that it all poses um, pretty big questions, I think. Um, as, or it all meaning the tallest. The tallest poses really big questions in my mind. And um, I think gender is a really easy way for me to run away from a lot of those big questions because I can just say, like, this is, um, it's really gendered and I just don't feel comfortable. And I think that's partially true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also believe that um, I don't know, I'm not, I think I've spent a lot of time rejecting a lot of things because they were gendered, and that has just, like, led to me approaching my life in a negative, like, oh, I'm, I can't or won't do that because Mm. it is these things, instead of saying, like, what do I actually relate to, what do I feel confident in, what do I feel connected to, Um, what does create moments of joy, and that I want to find that in Judaism, and I believe that I find that really deeply in clothing and appearance and um, expression in a lot of other facets of my life, and uh, Talos is such a a beautiful piece of Jewish expression um, that I want to figure out how to how to own and, and make my own, especially because I spend so much time um, making that possible for other people mm-hmm. and seeing that happen for other people uh, in my work life and, and believing in it, but just not believing in it for myself. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think it sounds from from what you're from what you're saying, like the as opposed to the talus as a ritual item, 
um, as a ritual of peace being being kind of an answer or a stagnant um, thing that will that will automatically or that has automatically connected you to the divine. It's instead kind of a a vehicle towards this this connection or like can it be a vehicle for this connection is kind of the question like the talus as as a process versus um the end goal almost um Mm -hmm. or the the talus being able to facilitate this process of of connection of, of emerging and of becoming um that also seems kind of um from what you were saying and also from knowing you a little bit just um also related to the ways I've, I've heard you kind of talk about gender and queerness is as as an emergent or becoming or like as this process and as um yeah which which feels kind of essential to to you know gender queer existence is this fluidity um as opposed to to a rigidness that kind of um knows and it's a false rigidness you know it's never nothing is ever as rigid as possible or as as we think it is um yeah i think i think the um another thing that i was um that i'm interested in hearing more about so you mentioned that um you're in turmoil a jewish drag troupe based in the boston area big fans um and I was, you were, you were talking about how in other facets of your life, you really are able to kind of connect, um, to, you know, to this, to this kind of, um, adornment or fashion or, um, just like connect, connect through external means. Um, and I was wondering, one, does that come up in, um, your exploration of drag? and Jewish gender, like, as art, and also, um, yeah, yeah, just how, how does you feel like those, those two things relate or, um, bridge your, you know, your interest and your questions, um, around your own personal connection to wearing a talus and the ways you engage with, um, Jewish gender and queerness, um, through, through your art. Yeah, that's a big question. Um, I guess, you know, when I think about how I, when I think about being on stage and performing something um, just very Jewish, um, well, it feels like my mind is like automatically often making connections between songs and things I hear and um stories that I'm told and movies that I watch and um and that because enough of my life's content has been Jewish that I'm constantly Mm -hmm. making personal references um to my Jewish life and that um turmoil is creating a chance to explore those artistically and publicly and, um, and to explore political ideas and, um, weird ideas and (laughs) random YouTube videos I really love and, uh, kind of make them, uh, more of a, a statement and a chance to understand what it means to 
perform something that is both Jewish and genderqueer to me at the same time uh, in front of somebody else. In fact, in front of like a hundred people. And there is something to me that feels like being able to perform is a chance like to feel, um, I feel both like really very connected and really very disconnected from my body when I'm performing and really connected to the audience and really disconnected from Mm -hmm. the audience. And I think, um, like sometimes performing feels like one of the moments that feels the most like, uh, out of the world that I'm used to. And, there's something that feels kind of holy about that. Um, Mm. And that feels kind of like a version of um, prayer or honoring somebody, which sounds funny because when I think about my numbers, I'm like, I did a number (laughs) as Gimli the dwarf from Lord of the Rings talking about anti-Semitism and eating a cabbage. (laughs) So it's not exactly, like, obvious or um, even appropriate or (laughs) what we would, you know, normally think of when we think of talking to some version of God. But I think as I'm figuring out what, what I do believe in or what I do think is holy, I think, um, performance and the stage holds a real part of that for me and is such a a piece of like where I get to be um exalting something even if that thing is like my friends and myself and my culture and my people and and my um confusion and my questions um and I do think getting to love questions feels like a piece of drag and a piece of wearing a talus and just a huge piece of being Jewish in my mind. Um, so that's one tie in. And I think I also feel like, um, curious about wearing a talus on stage and, um, about doing some kind of performance or number that is about this particular ritual object, given how much time I've spent thinking about them. Um, but I haven't done one up to now. Um, I think, I think I would like to, and I, I think a conversation that I hear a lot from people in my community, um, and in turmoil is that we sometimes wonder what we are allowed to wear, particularly if we are not convinced of our faith in God or Orthodox or even regularly practicing. That um, that I hear a lot of people doubt whether or not, like, can I wear a kippah to this protest or can I wear a kippah when I perform or can I, you know, have a talit katan on and... Um, to me, I think 
um, this is mine to play with. And mm. I feel really excited about getting to do that and about um, uh, having a stage and a platform and an audience to do that with. Um, hopefully in a way that also encourages that audience to want to play and explore more also. Does it, does it, so my, my question is, does it feel like a performance to wear a talus? Um, you know, just, just when you're, when you're davening, when you're praying, um, does it feel like a performance to you? Um, because I, I think the way that you spoke about performance is so beautiful in terms of the, the, the opportunity, it kind of, how it allows you to transcend or to connect to, um, something beyond the present moment or how it's, it's actually creating something else, um, as it's happening. So I'm curious if, if it feels like a performance, maybe a, a different kind of performance, but performing nonetheless to wear a talus. And if so, what do you feel like you are or would be performing through wearing it, whether on stage or again, during davening? Mm -hmm. I mean, I do think it's a performance. I don't always feel like I know why I wear it, but I feel like I'm being told to by somebody, even if it's just myself and that I, um, I make a choice to put it on and I like sit in it and I pray in it and I kiss the Torah with it. And I, you know, I go through all of these motions. It doesn't feel like natural or obvious to me all of the time. So it definitely feels like a performance. Although sometimes I think performance can feel natural, but anyway, that's tangential thought. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I think, um, wait, sorry, what was the second part of your question? <laughs> um, that's okay. The second part was, um, what are you performing through wearing the talus? And I think specifically, um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about how performance, you know, whether it's on the stage or the kind of sort of quotidian everyday performances, um, like you're, they're, they're connected. So there, there's this idea of a citational chain. So your current performances are, you know, connected to your past performances, but also um, they're creating something. They, they have the potential to create something completely new. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested in that in terms of, um, you know, the idea of drag and also just the things that we choose to wear in our bodies or the, the motions that we choose to do. Um, and especially if something like wearing a talus isn't necessarily like something you grew up with. So I, I agree with you that performances can and usually are, you know, feel natural. And that's kind of the, the thing about them that we don't really notice that what we are performing. Um, but these kind of alternate performances that um, come about um, and are facilitated through queer ritual innovation or through just ritual objects and items have the opportunity to kind of in interrupt and also um, recreate. And I was just wondering, um, I don't know, I don't really have like a, a full question but just what you were talking about with you know being on a stage and performing in that capacity and 
um, that being really connected to dress and makeup and what you wear um, versus um, also wearing a talus. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I don't think I have a very clear answer because I think that I'm so confused about what I am wearing a talus for mm. that I don't always, I don't really know exactly what the performance is for. And I think that's part of why I've felt like I have so many questions for other people um, or why I want to hear other people's stories or that's at least part of it. And um, what it, what it makes me think of is just how um, like as a queer person, as a drag performer, I have all these memories of, seeing people out in the world, both like regular people and also drag performers, um, <laughs> who I like look at and kind of just so deeply admire in passing or in a more long-term way. The people who just like through looking the way they do, through the work that they have put in to how I get to see them, um, mm. I like feel like something else is possible, um, or like I'm possible, or like what I want is possible. Um, and I'm trying to think. I feel like there are people who I see in Talitot that have made me feel that way, where like seeing. Um, I don't know, there are just like a few people that stick in my mind where like I can just imagine them wrapped in like their huge talit gadol and I think, oh my goodness, can I imagine feeling that way in that object? Like, I can see how um, raw and open and also like closed and held this person is in front of me and I want to feel that way um, or seeing somebody who is like genderqueer and wearing tzitzit and, and just like walking <laughs> somewhere <laughs> and just feeling so moved um, and knowing I guess that um, that like like wearing a talus is an unapologetic act of we wearing your Jewishness. And um, yeah, you like want, I want that for myself and I feel really moved seeing other people really embrace it um, and moved by other people who've like, yeah, made their tally tote or who like come and like just always wear one and always I don't know like it's just how I see that person or yeah I think that they're moving objects well that gave me goosebumps um yeah I think I think the the like profound genderful pleasure and the love and joy um 
that that comes from from that. It seems it seems very like um, there's a, there's an intensely communal aspect. Um, you know the and I mean and I feel like in that sense it's kind of a performance where there's like you know you're it's an internal sort of thing and but it's also like you're watching other people doing this thing that you so so want and I'm sure that they're struggling with it too you know it, it always looks kind of seamless um, from the outside um, but this this idea of um, of feeling possible. Um, how and from from you were you were talking about how you kind of um, you facilitate the experience of so you facilitating this experience um, for other people so you know you physically tying titsis for other people and you creating and recording and conducting these interviews for this podcast um, like how 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 queer ritual items kind of make make it possible, um, make us possible and make you possible. And I'm wondering that, like, through these interviews and through the actual time with Sisters and through your own experiences, like, how how have you how have you felt possible, or like what feels not? I think you kind of touched upon how you feel possible, but like what feels possible through like queer ritual items and innovation and engagement with with tradition? Yeah, great question. I think my biggest, like, I feel like I want to make my own talus. Yes. <laughs> um, which I really hadn't considered before. Um even though I feel like I should have. <laughs> um, and I also think, um, yeah, just like it feels more possible to talk about ritual and think about ritual in my own life um, because of this podcast and like, to know that I don't have to have answers to try things um, is something that really has come out of talking to people for me. Um, uh, and that, um, yeah, also that like no one other person does have an answer for me but only like their own questions and and maybe their own answers um but that i'm i think gonna try to make my own talus <laughs> yes um so that actually leads me um to one of um yeah that actually leads me to um one of my final questions which is what is your ideal talus oh great question ah <laughs> <laughs> um I think, uh, I wish I could weave. Mm, I bet uh, you can. Maybe I'll learn just for this. Um, it would be very colorful. I think probably like base yellow, but maybe also every other color. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
I don't know. I also, well, I've just seen so many beautiful ones now, but I think it would probably just have a lot going on on it. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who knows me knows that I <laughs> tend to be surrounded by a lot of patterns and colors and um, yeah, gravitate towards that all the time. And yeah, I think I would want one that makes that look, it actually makes me think about my room, which mm -hmm. is, um, yeah, just like very, very bright and covered in things. And, um, something that I've thought a lot about a room and my room in particular for myself is that, um, I cover it with all these things that remind me of all these different people, all these different places, all these different experiences, uh, colors that make me feel at home. And that makes me feel like I am in my home and I am surrounded by, like it brings me closer to everything I'm surrounded by. Um, and it makes it okay for me to be alone in my room and it makes it an exciting place to share with other people. Mm. And, um, yeah, I guess my ideal tallest would make me feel those things that I am like, um, that I am at home in my body when I'm wrapped in it and that I, um, I am also like with God or with my questions or with my questions about God or with, um, my community and my people and my loved ones. And, mm. um, so I guess like trying to create a room out of a tallest <laughs> yes. is my idea. I mean, I feel like that's, that's the point of it. Um, like, like it's for you to feel at home. And, and I think as, as queer and trans people, it's really hard to feel at home in our bodies. Um, and again, that's a generalization, but I think, um, I guess I'll speak for me. Um, it's I feel really, <laughs> yeah, yes, for us, for the two of us, and I'm sure many others, um, it's so hard to feel at home in our bodies. And, um, it's, it's such a profound gift that Judaism offers us to have kind of like, um, accessories and help in, in feeling at home in our bodies, especially during such a, an intimate thing and such an embodied action and experience as, as prayer. Um, yeah. so I, I love that you said that. Um, yeah. Um, Emma June, you are a dear, dear friend who I feel in complete divine collaboration and coalition with. Um, and I'm so, so grateful to have had the opportunity to interview you. Dude, thank you. <laughs> Mm -hmm. This is awesome. Um, it's fun to be on the other side. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I really appreciate it. Um, mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to press stop recording. Yes. Thanks for listening to Fringes, my passion project supported by Adva Designs. For more definitions, as well as a transcription of today's episode, check out the show notes on our website advadesigns.com slash fringes episode three 
That's A-D-V-A-H-D-E-S-I-G-N-S dot com slash F-R-I-N-G-E-S-E-P-I-S-O-D-E-3. As always, the interviews I do and the stories I get to share through this podcast cannot possibly capture the breadth of experiences in this world. I'm inevitably leaving people out. That said, this project is growing. If your story feels left out and you want to share it, please reach out to me at emma at oddvadesigns.com. That's E-M-M-A at A-D-V-A-H-D-E-S-I-G-N-S dot com. This podcast is coming out on a bi-weekly basis. A huge, huge thank you to Liel Green for interviewing me and asking such thoughtful questions. Please stay tuned for their episode upcoming. Thanks also to Sarah Resnick, my producer, and musical wonder home despot for the music. And thank you for listening. See you in two weeks wherever podcasts can be found.